This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, I talked with one of the greatest runners in BYU history. In fact, it almost didn't happen because she wanted to be a soccer player. But today, she's one of the fastest steeplechasers in NCAA history. She's much more than that. She is Courtney Wayman. What's up, Courtney? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited you're here because I think your story is incredible. And uh, I think you're the first national champ and two-time national champ that we've had on the show. So thank you for being here. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm sure you'll have lots more that you can get on here. There have been a lot of national champs at BYU, right? Yeah. Um, but it's super hard. Let's start there. What's it like to win multiple national championships? 3K in the indoor and the distance medley relay. Um, it was really cool. It was a cool opportunity. It's something that not everyone gets to do. There's only one person on that day. And the coolest part was I get to share it. It's not something that is individual to me. Um, even the even the 3K, which was an individual that you though, feel like was a team thing. Yes, mm. very much so. I had Olivia Hoy in my race with me. I had so many people on the outside. I had just won with the DMR, you know, Lauren, Elena, and Olivia the night before. Then two days later, they win cross-country titles, and, you know, they win that. And it's for me, it wasn't an individual thing. It was I got to do that with my teammates. And that there's not a feeling quite like that. It makes it much more rewarding than had it just been an individual thing. Okay, let's break down the timing of all that. And I'm sure we'll go back to the races themselves. Uh, but cross-country and track indoor – competed in the same was it week or set of like two days two days okay two days yeah so you guys had to divide and conquer Mm -hmm. you couldn't be full strength at either per se right yet yet you come out multinational champs right yeah the women win the natty in cross country and you come home with a couple dmr and the three what was that week like in sort of planning and figuring out who's going to do what and was there a chance you were going to run cross country so actually, me and Olivia Hoy had exhausted our cross-country eligibility in 2019. Oh, you couldn't even do it. So we didn't You're even have the opportunity. Yeah. Mm. And then Anna and Whitney, um, unfortunately, they had lost their eligibility in indoor because of COVID in 2020. So they had no choice but to run cross-country. So it lined, like the stars aligned perfectly. And then we had a day at practice where Coach Taylor sat us down in the volleyball um, room and she said our names, and she'd put us into categories. She'd be like, okay, you're indoor and you're cross-country. So you could see who you were training with, who your people were for that season, and you kind of knew what your responsibilities were for the season. So Wait, this was at the beginning of the season? Yes, okay. very beginning so in like January. So that had been decided well before. Mm-hmm. Okay, it wasn't like a, all right, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So she had kind of tested the waters. Like there were some people like Kate Hunter and Lauren Ellsworth that had run – in cross country in October when they had the opportunity to go back there in 2020. And so they had kind of tested the waters and then coach decided, hey, you guys should go to indoor, which ended up awesome for both of them. And then, um, you know, instead of making like our 5K, 10K girls um, run indoor, she had them go cross country. And it it was honestly inspiration from Coach T and the stars aligned and it was awesome. So that's kind of how that started. So – what was it like when you guys all connected back up? It was so Like, fun. hey, we won a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it was so <laughs> cool. So we got home Sunday and then came home, 
I was so nervous for cross country. You just get nervous for your teammates. It's fun. Watch them win. Super awesome. We had like a little team party, like watch party with the people that were in Oklahoma. And then Monday or they race Monday and then Tuesday they got back and, you know, they had that whole thing outside with tons of athletes, you know, administration. A lot of people had come out to celebrate and so and oh by the way Connor Mance wins individual yeah. men as well so yeah. it's like this so it's huge just thing winning on winning on winning and yeah. it was so fun and it was just cool to see people like I know Anna Camp and I had talked a lot um after my wins and I was talking to her you know about you know the cross-country team and so linking back up was just it was just fun like we were just so excited and just proud of each other and um, even though we were two individual se- like two different seasons, it was really fun to just get to know and like see how hard they worked for it and then just be able to celebrate together because we were all getting to celebrate the same thing. So Which is awesome. And then Anna Camp Bennett goes and wins uh, later, let's see, wins steeple? 1,500. 1,500. And yes, okay. Uh, so many events, so many amazing <laughs> things. So many national championships, I'm getting them mixed up. Okay, let's rewind to your origin story. You grew up in Davis County. Are you born there? Yes, born in Layton, Utah. Born in Layton. Okay, you go to Northridge, mm-hmm. home of one Spencer Linton. Really? Daniel Coates. I love that. Jace McCormick. I'm trying to think of the other nights. Northridge killed my high school in, in football. It, like, I love that. Like, they won two state championships. Hey, they were great, when yeah. you were probably a little kid. Um, yeah, they were awesome. They were mm-hmm. awesome. So, you're at Northridge. You eventually get to Northridge High School, but you don't grow up a runner. You grew up a soccer player, but tell people about your parents and kind of their background at Weber State as runners because they were legit. Yeah. So my parents met at um, Weber State when they were both running in college there. My dad ran the steeple. All-American, um, right? Yes, an All-American in the steeple. Amazing. My mom, at that time, they didn't have the steeple for the women, so she just ran the 3K and the 5K. Um, yeah, and... You know, they kind of had an awesome story. My mom had a kid during her time as a collegiate athlete and came back and was number one, number one runner in cross country. Um, for Weber State, you're saying? That's yeah, amazing. for Weber State. Just after, to be on the team. Yeah, and it was only like four or five months after she had had what? a baby. Yes. Whoa. So has this baby, comes back for Is cross this your country. your older sibling? My oldest sibling. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, and then... She got pregnant again a couple years later, and that's when her career, she decided to just be a mom. Um, And then at that time, my dad had broke his foot before Olympic trials. In 84. Mm -hmm, In 84, so he never got to compete there. Would he have maybe made it? Um, I would like to say yes. Yes. He was like half a second away from qualifying. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but he was very close. That's that's what I'm getting at. But he's still All-American after that? Yeah, he was an All-American, yeah. So he's in college, maybe making the USA team if he's healthy. That's Yeah, that's so and you he had, that. He we'll had awesome that. teammates. Um, you know, my his teammate held the I think the American record for a really long time in the men's steeple and so he had awesome teammates, really good experience. Um, and then my parents had all of us, so there's five of us. Where do you fit? Um, I'm the baby. You're the baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my older four siblings, they made them all run cross country. They all had to run. It didn't matter if you played a different sport, but you had to run. By the time it got down to me, everyone had hated running. They just, (laughs) they hated it. And you don't hate it now. Yes. So they (laughs) didn't ever make me run. 
I played soccer, like you mentioned. I started playing club soccer when I was seven-ish years old. So I played soccer, and then how I actually got into running was my seventh grade year, I ran the mile in the gym, in gym class. And it was this little grass loop. I ran the mile, and I called my dad, and I was like, hey, I ran this time. And my coach... Tell, tell the time. It's okay, it was 5.58? 5.58. That's amazing. Yeah. And he, I was like, I'm so excited. You know, my coach says this is awesome and that I could do really good in running. And he was like, that's really cool, but it probably wasn't a full mile. And I was like, <laughs> that's so rude. So then the next week, run it again. And this time I'd run a 5.52. And I was like, Ooh. dude, I am fast. I'm legit. He, yeah. And he was like, court... Again, I'm really happy for you. I'm proud of you. Probably wasn't a full mile. And it made me so mad. I was like, I can do it. And so I ran track that year for my junior high school. And I ended up running a 530 that season. And Holy, so in, in seventh grade? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was my introduction into running was I kind of got like reverse psychology into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then after that, I just did running um, kind of on the side. It was on the side. Um, I played club until my junior year of high school. And then I played my high school soccer till my junior year. And then, um, that year in cross country, I didn't do as well as I had in previous years. And I had come to a decision where, you know, my team had just disbanded. And so it was either find, you know, there was a lot of things going on at this time. Your team, like your club team? My club what team. What club team was this? So it was La Roca. La Roca. Um, now, yeah. aren't there several BYU Cougars from La Roca that you played yes. with? Yes. So, Who'd like, you play with? Michaela Coolahan. Oh, my I was gosh. On her Maybe team the greatest player in BYU history. Yes. I played with her um, for many years of my life. Nice. Um, Did she set you up for goals? Like, are you a forward since you <laughs> Yeah. Well, we both played uh, midfield. Okay. So we kind of. You kinda, and Michaela Coolahan yeah, in midfield. That's yeah. a fun thought. So <laughs> I had her, and so then I decided to go. On Cameron Tucker's team. Um, also a BYU forward yeah, now. Yeah. She's so amazing. I decided to, you know, go to Celtic and um, it was an hour and a half drive every day for me. Whoa. And so at that point, I just felt like, you know, I, sometimes I couldn't make it to practice. And if I wasn't going to be all in, I didn't feel right having a spot on the team. And I hadn't done well in cross country and it kind of bothered me. Um, I had done well, but not as well as I had wanted to. And this so, is your junior year. This is my junior year. Okay. And so after that, I decided that um, I would just give soccer. I'd be done with it. I'd close that chapter. And so that's what I did. And then I just decided I would go with running. And everyone had told me growing up that running was meant for me. And I was like, Why? no. Um, because I had the genes for it. And I had, you know, with no training I had been able to do some incredible things at that time and so like what um I don't know like I would place at state get top five in state with things like that training yeah I just use whatever soccer training so so you're running yeah but so tell me about the difference in running because so, now that you're a prof- you're not a professional you will be you know soon enough but the difference of running is there's something there Yeah. So with running, it's all about consistency. You need consistency and workouts. So you need to be running mileage all the time. Like a certain distance? Yeah. Depending on your weekly mileage, you know, what you run for that day, you'll have a total mileage that you have to hit. Um, 
and I had no idea about any of that stuff. My dad did, but um, I was very stubborn. I, you know, I'd get done with soccer practice, and he'd be like, let's go do a track workout, and I'm like, uh, no. (laughs) What kid wants to run some more? Yeah, I'm like, did you see what I had to do out there? Like, (laughs) I'm not doing that. You're running miles already in soccer. Yeah, yeah, and so... I wasn't going to do any of that. So my dad would just say, hey, on Saturday, you have a race and you have to run the mile and you have to run this time. And I'll be like, "Okay." And so that was just kind of how it worked out for all the way till my junior year. Um, And then that's when I yeah, that's when I decided to move forward with running. And I had trained with a different high school at that time. we didn't have a really, my first high school, Northridge High School, we didn't have a very big cross-country team. Um, I big think meaning good or big meaning volume of runners? Either. I think okay. at one point we only had like six, seven, eight people on our team. Total. Total. Yeah, including, five, including, right? yeah, including seven runs, score with five. girls and boys. Oh, boys that and was girls. Both. Oh, okay. It was yeah. like nobody. Yeah, there was like virtually no one. Come on. And so on, <laughs> I know. So at that point, I decided I would go train with the Davis High School girls. And so I trained for a couple of weeks with them and they were like, they're the rival. <laughs> well, was this a deal at the time? No, they, oh, okay. well, they weren't, I wouldn't say a rival, oh, Okay. but, um, Davis was definitely, um, better in sports. So it wasn't a rivalry because Davis was better? A little bit. Like, <laughs> I don't was, know. That was Bingham to my high school, Copper Hills. Yeah. Like, we were like, we're rivals with you. And Bingham was like, sorry, what's your name again? Yeah. Like, that's how yeah. it functioned. Yeah. So I would have said at Northridge, our rivals would have been late in high school. Okay. But, um, yeah, Davis was just superior. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but superior to all the other athletics. Davis beat Copper Hills in my senior year in basketball, too. I have uh, Come yeah. on. Yeah. Davis County taking me out. Yeah. yeah. So we we love Davis County. But anyway, um, yeah, I decided to train with them, and they said that they would um, have a spot for me if I wanted to go just drive down to them with them to Arizona to a meet called Nike Cross Regionals. And if you got top five individuals or top two teams, you would get to go to nationals. And I didn't know anything about any of that. So I was just there just to have a good time. And I full sent it. And I ended up making it to nationals that year. And I was like. Good reference. Full send. (laughs) Yeah. So I I just decided, okay, I guess running is for me. So tell me about the decision to switch. Because you've been playing from seven to probably, what, 16 or 17? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a big decision. Yeah. Why do you decide that at that point? Because you're getting close to, okay, if I'm going to be good at something, I need to do it now. Yeah. And if I am if I am good at this and college is essentially there, yeah. it's a big decision. How did you come to that decision? Um. So what ended up happening was um, there were some – I had made – my parents and I had made a personal choice that I would not compete on Sundays – growing up in soccer and it was hard because most of our games were on Sundays and so I had to sit a lot and when my team had disbanded um, we got a new coach that came over and they essentially I had made a deal with them early on that if I were to just do well enough and help the team and contribute they would allow me to not play on Sundays and when we got this new team they said you had to play and so I had that 
had gone to some little camp things that they would do for recruits um, for soccer to a couple different universities in Utah. Was BYU one of them? Um, not that specific camp. I mean, mm-hmm. I came to the sports camps here. Yeah. Um, but I had gone to a couple, and I just didn't feel – it just didn't feel right. Like, I, I would be there, and I was like, I just don't have a desire to – be at this university or... Thinking, hey, if I'm good enough at soccer... Yeah, to maybe, go to the next level. Were you good enough? Did you um, feel like you were pretty good? Were you being recruited? Um, Yes, I was. I don't know if I would have been good enough. I never um, stepped to that level. But that was a possibility. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So you're thinking, okay, if I'm in, i got to be in, like you said. Yes. And at that point, um, soccer works a little different. You kind of commit really early on. That was the end of my sophomore year. Which feels crazy. Yeah. Like, what 16-year-old knows what the heck they're doing? I know. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) So I felt all this pressure of like, oh, I need to find a place that I want to commit to or not. Or if I even got an offer, who knows? Um, And then at the same token, it was like my parents were like, okay, well, you can. If you want to, you can compete on Sundays. But, you you know, you know our stance on it and – um, Celtic, I talked to the Celtic coach and he had offered me just so many good things. He was a very, very good guy and he was just so kind. And so I decided I would try this Celtic thing and it was great. And the girls were all so kind and I loved that team, but it just wasn't, I just didn't feel like it was right for me. And so that's, you know, I had all these feelings of like, it just did not feel right. And then all of a sudden I was having immediate success in running and mm. so Without it was practicing yeah and Without so it, it felt I just knew where my heart belonged my heart was still with soccer but I knew it was supposed to be with running and so how, how did you know that um I knew that I felt like I could be better at running than I would ever be at soccer okay and that was really hard for me as a 16 year old that's yeah. that's a hard thing but that's kind of how I felt. Because your identity probably was, I'm a soccer player. Yeah, right? like I, once I quit, I have not touched a soccer ball. I just, it, yeah, like I remember my freshman year, it made me sad to watch, like go watch the soccer games and things like that. Because I was like, you know, my heart was a little bit there, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade my decision for the world. It's, I had awesome teammates and I had a good time playing soccer, but this is where I'm meant to be. Okay. In a Des News article, it said that your mom, Becky, says when you were 11, she was watching you play a soccer game. And in the middle of it, she said a voice spoke in her mind. She is a steeplechaser. What? Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. How? That's incredible. I don't know. I mean, I had been told that my whole life, that steeplechase was meant for me. By your parents or who? Um, not necessarily even my parents. My mom. telling a kid you're a steeplechaser? (laughs) Yeah. Is this a common thing? Yes. So my dad's old college coach would tell me all the time. Future college coaches would tell me, um, you know, since my parents, a lot of the people, like my dad ran with Ed Eyestone in junior high, high school, and college. Oh, wow. So like Look at that, that age group, like <laughs> those are the people that I was surrounded with growing up. Is um, Ed telling you you're a steeplechaser when you're a kid or no? I don't know. Not really. No. I don't know. I don't remember Ed yeah. saying anything like that, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, just a lot of people had told me that. What? Why steeplechase? That's so specific. Um, it's three k. You got the water barrier. Yeah, it's unique. It's v- it is it's very not like, unique. You should be a runner. Yeah, it's steeplechase like yeah. that event. Yeah, I like, don't know. You're a four hundred. You're a 
5K? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they had in mind for me, but um, I just knew that's what my dad did. And I have a really great relationship with my dad. And I just was like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, I remember when Coach Taylor got the phone or when she had gotten the job. So I was recruited by the old coach. And then Coach Taylor had actually got the job, I think, like a week before cross-country camp. And she made phone calls to every single person on the team and took like 30 minutes to get to know everyone. And in my phone call, I was like, I'm a steeplechaser. She's like, okay, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I just am. So do you know anything about steeple? And she was like, yeah. She was like... I know exactly what to do. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. It's the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Yeah. So I don't know how, but I had just been told that growing up, but not by my parents, that specific story that you had mentioned that my mom had shared. Um, she didn't share me share that with me until my season debut in April this year. So what? I had never known that story. Yeah. How, how old are you? I'm 23. She held it for 12 years. Mm-hmm. She <laughs> held it for 12 years. Yeah. Did she feel validated? I think she did, yeah. I mean, it's so funny because my parents, and I'm sure you can relate to this on a parental level, is that you know a lot about your kids before they really know. You just have to wait for them to to discover it for themselves. And my parents did a really good job at allowing me to do that. Did you ever think Weber State was the spot because your parents have gone there? Yeah. And you're in Davis County? Yeah, and... I knew the coach really well. He ran with my parents in college. Who's that? Um, Chick Hislip? No, so that was my dad's college coach. That was your dad's coach. Um, Yeah, um, Coach Paul Pilkington at Weaver State. And so I've known him for a very long time. Very, very – he – yeah, he's a good family friend of my family. And so I always thought I would go there. I had visited the idea of maybe I could run and play soccer there – you know, we had kind of talked about that. Um, but yeah, actually, my last two decision, it came down to Weber State and BYU when I was deciding where to go to for running. Um, yeah, it definitely was a lot of, um, I don't know, a different word besides pressure, but a different sway. I, I felt swayed to go to Weber State, but um, I just had that little voice that said, you got to go to BYU. And so... That And, like, Olivia Hoy had called me one night and was like, hey, just to let you know, I'm committing to BYU. And I was so excited for her, and I got off the phone. My dad was like, does that sway your decision at all? Um, Liv and I had just barely met. We'd only known each other for, like, a month or two. And I, after she had called me, I was like, that's where I'm supposed to go. And I was like, I would be sad if I missed out on the opportunity of not being teammates with Olivia. And so... There was a lot of definitely divine intervention that got me here, but I'm grateful that it did. And she was on the DMR with you? Yes, she was. You went in Natty. Yes. That's pretty special. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, how many miles a week do you run? Because you guys are insane <laughs> in a good way. Um, I don't know if I can tell you. <gasps> you can't tell me? I don't know. Wait, I why can't know. you tell me? Um, our program, we're big on, um, Oh, you keep it quiet. Yeah. We like to work in silence and let, um, our legs do the talking. Wow. So we don't really share like workouts or anything. I know. Can you give me a range or is that, um, it's a lot of miles. (laughs) Okay. Is it over? Okay. A week. Is it over 35? Um, yes. And that's all I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) 
You guys run so much, and it's awesome. So, okay, I respect that. <laughs> okay, you mentioned uh, the relationship with your dad. So you mentioned how good he was. How how has he shaped you? How has he influenced you? What What's it been like with him on this journey with you? As a former runner, too, like, I wish I could share something with my kids of, like, like if my kid's a broadcaster or something, I could I can't imagine how fun that would be, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that same thing. Yeah, it's definitely very special. Um, I'm very lucky to have the dad that I do. He Mark, right? Yeah, yeah. We I call him Marcus. It's not his <laughs> real name. I don't know where it came from, but anyway, good old Marcus. Um, yeah, it's very special. The journey has been really cool. He's done it in a very unique way. He's never pushed me more than I've wanted to be. Um, There were times where I needed a little bit of shaping, and he would be that for me. He'd give me a little bit of shape of, like, "Uh, maybe you should should run at this race, even when I really didn't want to. Um, I remember my sophomore year at State, which was here at BYU, um, at Northridge High School, I had to just pretty much run every event that they told me to, and I was on my sixth race in the in 24 hours. Whoa! And I just started sobbing. I All was distance? like, "Yes." So wow. I had to run the mile on Friday morning, and then the medley um, relay. I was the 800 in that, and then that was the trials, and then or or prelims. Sorry, prelims of that, and then the prelims of the four by four, and then I had to come back the next day do the 800 finals then the medley finals and then the four by four finals. And so it was right oh before, gosh. yeah. So it was right before the four by four. I just remember sobbing and I was just like, I am physically exhausted. I was like, I have nothing left to give. And he was just, there's this picture that him and I have that you saw at the girl dad camp and he's hugging me and I just was full tears. And there's moments like that where he just has been my biggest supporter he handed me a five-hour energy right after that and made me chug it, and I was happy and ready to go for the race. <laughs> but he's always just been there to shape it, and he's never pushed me more than I've wanted to be pushed. So even though he knew my potential in running, he let me figure out what I wanted to do with soccer because that's what made me happy. And so he's just always been so kind and so supportive. He is the kindest person that I know, and the journey with him has been incredible and it's fun because I can call him after workouts and be super excited and he knows what those workouts mean. Um, but he doesn't add his own opinion. He doesn't add his, um, voice. Yeah. He, how does he he not? That's wild. As a parent, I I don't know how I could not do that. Yeah. I think he wants to, but he has such a good relationship with coach Taylor that he knows what his boundaries are mm. and he respects coach Taylor and admires her so much. He knows what she has done for me just as an individual. He knows what he's done, what she's done for the program. And he is just all in about what coach Taylor's doing with me and so our like team. Supportive. Yes. Listens. Yes. Okay. So he's, I'm he's just kind. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he just does all the great things and, He's just a really good supporter, and so the journey's been great. That's awesome because I have a daughter, and I'm hoping in whatever pursuit she goes on that I can be like Marcus. <laughs> yeah, good, good old, old Marcus. Good old Marcus. At the girl dad camp, the relationship with your dad was highlighted by Dilji Taylor on Sunday in a devotional, and it was awesome. And I was like, I really want that with my daughter in whatever pursuit she goes down. 
The Girl Dad Camp, by the way, held in early August on campus, the inaugural one. There's a there's a uh, you know a father son camp that's super famous, sells out in like three minutes. So we finally had a girl dad camp. It was so awesome. And Courtney, you were a part of this. Uh, you were at one of the stations in the Richards building, and it was super fun. And my daughter was kind of crying, and she was a little sad to separate with me. She got really clingy, which was fine. But they separated for a sec, and I said, this is my friend Courtney. You go with her. She'll take you to the other room. She went. It was all good. And we met with Dilji, and she talked about, like, hey, this is a Believe journal, and here's what you need in it. You need to tell your daughter. The, the whole experience was just incredible. It was so fun. What was it like for you as kind of a, a camp counselor, if you will, helping out? Yeah. I mean, I was at the portion of the camp where we had all the little girls um, do this video of just saying thanks for believing in me to their dad or my favorite thing about my dad is blank or, you know, something to show an outwardly expression of gratitude towards the fathers. And I had I was in charge of helping the little girls write a thank you card to the dads and do this video. And seeing the love you know, I know how I feel about my own dad, um, but seeing the love that kids have for their fathers is, that's something that is precious and should never be taken for granted. Um, it was incredible to see, you know, like your daughter, for example, I can tell you exactly what she said. Um, she had said like, I'm grateful that my dad is stubborn because he's so stubborn that it helps to push me to be able to accomplish all my goals and dreams. And, you know, it's funny because how old's your daughter? Eight. Eight. She's only eight years old, but look at how much she sees about you, you know. She it, knows I'm stubborn. She's y- watching. But <laughs> she views that as such a good quality. Yeah. Whereas maybe if I'm 23 and I look at my dad and I'm like, oh, man, he's so stubborn. I don't know if I would see it in that light. And so getting these little girls, you know, obviously this is all Coach Taylor's she's big on gratitude and has helped us learn a lot about it and how to outwardly express it. Um, but seeing the way that little girls notice things about their dads that the dads probably didn't know that they noticed, Mm -hmm. um, seeing them express that is, it it really got a little piece of my heart and those little girls, I just was like, and I say a little, some of them were like 15, Yeah. but you know, it, it's incredible the way that, um, you know, little girls look up to their dads and it's sometimes some things that little girls don't say or something fathers do you know in my own home growing up we never really had you didn't really verbalize there was no like words of affirmation Mm. um that just wasn't how my family was um which is fine but you know seeing even those girls that may not that household isn't you know big on verbally expressing things um it was fun to see all different things and I don't know I could go on and on about it but it was it was truly incredible and I was very grateful I got to be a part of that camp super cool camp if you're interested in it it's it's gonna happen next year and I'm gonna be there again and it was such a fun weekend it was awesome it was it was Friday afternoon evening and all day Saturday and morning and afternoon Sunday and it was so worth it it was so worth it so highly recommended uh in my completely biased opinion since I went to it. It was awesome. Okay, let's flash back to high school. There's a few instances where you had low oxygen levels. You even blacked out during a race. Yeah. What happened then? And 
you're obviously okay in some way now. Kind of, uh, I guess, what what changed? What happened then? And then kind of what, what changed? Because that's a little scary to black out during a race. Yeah, so um, this was my senior year of high school. Um, I This was my first year competing. Um, and you're actually training as a runner. <laughs> yeah. You're and maximizing the Yes. Talent. I'm now at Davis High School. Um, my Go family, <laughs> we had moved there. Um, moved to Kaysville from Layton. So I was officially, this was my first time like actually training um, and having like a good year of base under me. And so I was super excited. I was fit. I was ready to, you know, chase some dreams of, you know, state records or whatever those things were. Um, and in the middle, towards the end of my indoor season in high school, so this is um, February, late February-ish, um, I had just been feeling really off, and that's the best way I can describe it. I had run in a race where I felt like I had zero energy. And it was really weird, but I had thought, oh, you know, we had to do prelims and finals in this mile. And so I thought, oh, maybe I just had gone too hard in the prelims. It's whatever. Um, and I went about the rest of my season, and something was just off. And it got to the point where in school, I couldn't stay a full day of school. It was too draining for me. Um, I was falling asleep during classes. I would get 10 hours of sleep, but I would feel like I had slept nothing that night. And I just knew something was wrong. And so I had, my mom's a nurse. And so I had gone to my mom and I was like, something is not right. Um, And I had a similar thing happen when I was, I think, eight or nine years old. And so I was starting to show signs of the same period that I did at that time in my life when I was like eight or nine. Um, And I had to be hospitalized um, when I was eight or nine because I had low, really low oxygen levels. Um, So anyway, I'd been showing these signs. And so we would take me to the ER and we do blood work and they would be like, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. And I just had feelings that like I was not okay. And, and you know, everyone knows their own body. And I was like, something is really wrong. And what ended up happening is after tons of different doctor visits, um, I had went to this one doctor and he was like, yeah, there's something wrong with your red and white blood cells. Your count is like as if, yeah, just super low, like lowest levels he's ever seen on a normal, healthy teenager. That's and scary, so he you're super healthy. You're yeah, lot, right? yeah. So I went to this the race that you're talking about where I blacked out. I went to Arizona actually. Um, Nike had flown me out, me and my dad out to go to this race. I was part of you know their hype, whatever. Is this like a year after the one race you were invited to for regionals or whatever? And then yeah, okay. yeah. So, so going back to this race, uh, similar. similar. This okay. one's track. So that one was cross country. Gotcha. This one's track. Gotcha. And so you know. I, these people had paid for me to fly out there and my dad, the doctor had said like, no way you cannot run, let alone get on a plane. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. It's worth it. (laughs) So my dad lets me go there. And at this point, my face had swelled up so much. You could hardly see my eyes. I just, my my face had just swelled up really bad. And, um, anyway, I was in this race and I can't tell you anything after the, it's four laps. I couldn't tell you anything after the first lap. I had, I, I don't know if I fin. I can't tell you anything about the race. I just remember, um, my dad, he, since he wasn't necessarily my coach, he was a parent. Um, but he was the, he had taken me and a couple athletes with us 
and apparently I'd blacked out. I don't know. Um, and they wouldn't let him on the infield and I just was laying there on the infield and that's when he knew that something was genuinely really wrong with me. He said I was like swerving in and out of lanes. I just was not good. And so um, anyway, that was kind of when we figured out, okay, something's wrong. We went to the next doctor. They had discovered that like my oxygen levels were super low. So I had to stay in the ER for a couple of days. Um, days? Yeah, I had to get some oxygen. Wow. And when we notice, so your oxygen levels, you should be like 99, 100% on your thing. And I was low 90s, high 80s, which is like not good. Yes. I'm unfortunately super familiar with this because a couple of my coworkers here have had COVID related yeah. issues where they go sub 90. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a really, it's a really scary thing. Yeah. And so the minute that we take oxygen off, they would just drop. The numbers would just drop. And then we'd put oxygen back up and they'd go up. And they were like, okay, well, we can't keep you here anymore. Um, we need beds, you know, for the ER. And um, so my mom had said, well, we need to take oxygen home. And so um, for the rest, that was March. Um, for the rest of the year till July, I had to be on oxygen all the time. Um, and so I had... Like even when you slept too, right? Yeah. So I had this huge machi- machine. I named her Bertha. Big Bertha. <laughs> Bertha was my friend, and I had a 75-foot-long cord, and I would just take that everywhere. I had a little portable one and a backpack that I could take if I was going to school. And then Did I you use it in class? Um, yeah, if I went to class. I, I had zero energy. Um, oh, wow. But so I you decided. you like, dope runner yeah. to you're on oxygen. Yeah. This is quite the difference. Yeah, so I decided I was going to run track because it's my senior year. Why wouldn't I run track? And so my parents, I don't, I don't even know, like that time of, that period of time was just weird. And I don't even know how I got them to let me do it, but they let me do it. And so I would have to sit in a classroom if I was running at a high school. I'd sit in a classroom, big Bertha, have my oxygen tank, and I'd have to sit in a room by myself because I was kind of embarrassed that I, anyway, I don't know why. I was embarrassed. No, I get why. Yeah. 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 And so I would sit in this room all alone put my oxygen on and then I would go warm up, race my race, and then I'd have to immediately go back and get oxygen and then I would have to sleep for like the next day. And so there's this one race where I did just that. It was at Davis High School and a ton of my teammates now were also racing with me there. It's like Olivia Hoy, Julie Sumption, just a ton of people in that race. And um, yeah, like I ran this race and with like 300 meters to go, like a little more than a half a lap left. Olivia Hoy just blows by me. She just freaking cooked it. She was out of there. <laughs> so she wins. She did so great. And, you know, I crossed the finish line and Liv turns around. And she's like, we have to go get you your oxygen. And so Liv walks me up to this classroom and helps me get into my oxygen. And like, so that's just how I spent my senior year was just getting in and out of oxygen and calling it a day. Are you, like, going to prom with an oxygen tank? Like, what's life like? So, life like, is I'm like... good for a couple hours? Um, yeah, it was kind of good for a couple hours. Um, got to a point where I only had to sleep with it because then I was getting, like, 10 consistent hours of gotcha. oxygen. That's kind of how I weaned off of it. Um, and then I think I stopped using it in June, July-ish. Of somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd already graduated still using a little bit of oxygen. And then that summer was when I got rid of it. So 
So do you? Is there a point physically where the doctors are like, "All right, you're good. Like the red and white blood cells aren't attacking each other anymore." Yeah, yeah, that was basically it. I got my you blood. Got all the oxygen? Yeah, that was the only thing that we had done was just be on oxygen all the time, and mm. then I went and got my blood drawn in June, early July, and um, got my blood drawn, and everything was fine. And life just moved on. How'd you do in cross country? Because obviously BYU offers you. Yeah, so I went a scholarship. Yeah. So or I did, go to, or did they? I guess I don't know the story. Yeah. So I had signed to BYU. Um, that was of March of 2016. And I signed in November of 2015. So I already knew I was going there, which was great um, to have that decision made. And um, then you go on oxygen? Yeah. So that was November of 2015. Is BYU and concerned then. Um, with all that? They're like, uh. I didn't, I didn't tell. No one knew. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone. So I don't know like, if that's a good I or bad see thing. see you in August. Yeah, like I think Liv was the only person that really knew. Um, I didn't even tell all of my teammates at Davis High School. I was kind of embarrassed of the whole thing. I felt, I don't know why. I just felt very embarrassed about it. But. Well, you're the stud runner. I get it. Yeah. You're the stud runner. What, why do you need to be dependent on something else? But the reality is, and yeah. we're learning this, and that's why we're talking about it is, everyone's got something. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something, and bodies function differently. Yeah. Families function differently. Mm-hmm. Let's stop acting like everyone's perfect. Yeah. Instagram isn't real. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that whole mentality. So that's part of the reason we're doing the show is, okay, what's, what's your thing that you've yeah. had to deal with? You know yeah. what I mean? And this yep. is one of them. Yeah. Okay, so you you graduate. How did you do in state, by the way? Didn't you didn't um, you smash I, a Utah record or something? That year? Uh, that was cross country. Yes. This, but track, I got third in two mile, mile, and eight hundred. Was that okay with you, or you wanted to? Yeah, obviously, like, I, I would have loved this. to win. Obviously, but I was just so proud that I was there and could run those times and be with that group. With. The oxygen situation. Yes. So I I honestly crazy. was just grateful. I was sad. You know, but it, it didn't now matter how sad. No, in that moment, okay. I was grateful. I was yeah. just like, I'm, I have seen the worst of this. This is nothing. So I was just happy. You and took third. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I took 55th in 5A. Yes. Without uh, training. <laughs> yeah. It's not third, but uh, yeah. Um, okay. But in the fall, cross country. At BYU? Aren't you, uh, no, no, or no. Sorry. In high school. In high school. Yeah. You become what? The first. The first female to run sub seventeen in a three mile. Um, I think in the state of Utah. Yes. I don't know. Yes, something Utah. like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that that helps you get that scholar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you sign that before helps. that or right after that? Um, after that. So that all happened like September, October, and then yeah. I think I signed early November, like the gotcha. first week of November. And then oxygen happens. Yeah. And then you get out of it. Yeah. And now you're coming down to BYU. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you get to BYU, what what's life like? Uh, what do you in terms of? Okay, I'm here with these amazing coaches and this amazing team. It takes a couple years mm-hmm. to kind of get these national championships and really, really get out and finally do the steeplechase, which we'll talk about. But what's it like initially, and what, what was that journey like from that point to get to where you are now? Yeah, so loaded question. Lots of bumps. Lots of up and downs. Um, I think sometimes, and I do it myself too, you look at successful athletes and you think, man, like I wish I could just be like them. I, they, It seems like they're always on their A game. And I guarantee that if you look at anyone's journey, it's not like that. 
it's there are so many ups and downs to get there um but that's the best part personally i i just i think that's the best part um you have to have that yeah there's no up without the down oh there there's no highs or lows yeah opposition and all yeah. things right yeah yeah so um it was kind of crazy because you know like i mentioned i was recruited by the old coach um coach Shane and he then, yelled at me once on the track. <laughs> I totally deserved it. Because <laughs> it was in the I, middle of practice and I was trying to cross. He was like, oh, get off the track. Yeah, yeah that yeah, makes sense. I was like, I was young and super upset. Yeah. But later I realized, yeah, that was my bad. <laughs> I, I was, get that. I was a student at the time. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, so he had retired and then they brought on Coach T. And she's, she's in charge of the women, but she's not the cross country coach at this point. Right. So she's essentially the coach. Yes. Without she, without the title, yes. she is yeah. And we'll talk about Dilji in a minute. Yeah. She's she's a big figure in this story. Yeah. Yeah. So it was her first time. She had just moved to Utah. So the coolest part about it is, you know, me and my recruiting class, which is now like Anna Camp, Whitney Orton, Olivia Hoy. It's called the recruiting class. <laughs> I love it's them. It's pretty good. I love them. Um yeah, it was essentially like Coach T's freshman year, too. I mean, obviously, she's the coach, but it was really cool because she was trying to get to know everyone. We were trying to get to know everyone. And so those experiences really from day one, she's been there with us the whole time because she had to experience the same things, too. And so obviously in a different way. But, you know, we had more than just our recruiting class to relate to. We had Coach Taylor. And so that was kind of the first year was, you know, figuring out our place, figuring out college running and college training and how to balance life of, you know, social life of school, of running, just all of it. And so, yeah, just a very a learning year. That's what I would call that year. Um, and then as the years came by, those are those are more years that we've learned, but they were riddled with injuries and lack of self-confidence and being unsure and all of those things and it takes time it takes time in this sport to get to where you want to go and so there was just a lot of patience in those first four really five years we're on year six so it takes a sec right yeah six years do you have a doctoral degree yet uh yeah what a tibial stress fracture and a stress reaction in your hip Mm -hmm. and the pandemic Yes. Those are all massive bumps in the road, right? Yeah. So um, you are an All-American in 2018-19. That's awesome. Yep. And then at at some point, so yes, you we talked about you winning the national championship in the 3K. Mm-hmm. That's the indoor steeplechase minus the water and hurdles, right? Yeah. Essentially. Yes. The DMR, distance medley relay. That's awesome. And then finally, this almost prophecy from when you're 11 – comes to pass. You 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 finally do the steeplechase. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Tell me about the timing of that, because you thought and it, you'd been told you're a steeplechaser. You said, "Yeah." Why aren't you doing the steeplechase, or are you earlier? Yeah. So my freshman year, I had the opportunity of running the steeple. So I ran three different steeples that year. After the second one, I had landed weird in the water jump, and so it was. I had to take time off. Um, and so that kind of had set me back. Um, and so the season didn't end the way that I would have wanted it to. Um, it ended kind of bad. But 
it, it all comes with experience. Yeah, I I was okay closing that door. And so that my senior year went like that. Then my freshman year, I got to run the steeple. And that's where I was like, okay, yeah, this is for me. Then my sophomore year of track, I got injured with a tibial stress fracture. And then my junior year, I'd gotten injured with a stress reaction in my hip. And then my senior year, COVID hit. And so this was really my first year of getting an opportunity. That's what Coach Taylor and I mm. just talk about is is really just getting the opportunity to showcase um, what we've been working for all these years. Meaning you're healthy? Yes, I'm healthy. <laughs> so You can finally be untethered by <laughs> oxygen or injury yeah. or a pandemic. Yeah. Which we're still in it technically. But, okay, tell me about that first race when you run the steeplechase. Yeah, it's this last what? season. Yes. Is it the Clovis, California one? Yeah, in Fresno. Okay. Tell or me as we st- like to call it, Fres Yes. Fres Yes. Uh, tell me the story there because I read that, like, there was a power outage and it's almost midnight and, like, what yeah. happened? Yeah. So um, I was rooming with Liv. Liv was running the 1500. I don't know. I'm going to say – I'm just going to give you general times. We'll say, like, 7 o'clock or something. Liv's running at 7 o'clock. We get ready together. Um we eat our last meals together, and I was running at like I I don't know nine o'clock we'll say, and um, when I had arrived to the stadium, all the power had gone out just in that one section. So like at the unit or I think this was a high school. So across the street there was a softball game going with lights. It was this one street like one corner that had a power outage, and Coach T was just running around like crazy trying to get you know the city to turn on lights people to come fix it and so they just kept things rolling as usual um in that 1500 for both the women and the men in the dark in the dark we just like held up our flashlights on our phone people had pulled their cars kind of as close as they could to the track turned on their lights (laughs) was it bright enough um no no, not hardly <laughs> enough. Like I listened to them talk about the race and they were like, you had no idea where anyone was. You didn't know who was in front of you. Oh you my were just, gosh. you were just running and they all ran fast times, which was awesome. Um, and then your dad called and said, I'm not sure it was as far as you thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Marcus, you I dog. know. Well, so he's actually there. Yeah. This is my staple debut of the season in the last four years. Are I'm you, amped. Are you, you're stoked out of your mind. I'm stoked. You're like. I'm a steeplechaser. Oh, yeah. This is what I I'm do. Like, I it's finally, time to show yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm stoked. I get into the thing and I'm like, well, they better turn the lights on because you can't have just flashlights in a steeple. You can't see oh. a barrier like that. That's not safe at and all. And you have, probably have a little trauma mentally from getting hurt on a hurdle maybe or yeah, something. Yeah. And that you, it's just not safe. You can't run a steeple in the dark. That's not. Was there a chance you weren't going to do it? So what ended For up safety? happening yeah, so what ended up happening is we couldn't get the lights to turn on. So I threw my own little temper tantrum of <laughs> that's what it was. Of um I was so mad. I was like, really? I'm healthy, I have the opportunity, and it gets taken away again. Who are you talking to? Yourself? Myself, yeah. To I'm the heavens. I'm mad. Yeah, I'm yeah. really mad. I mean, I I voiced it to my teammates and Coach Taylor as well. But like inside I'm thinking like Really, I get the opportunity and it gets taken away from me again. Mm. So I'm just having this pity party of just that was so dumb. But I was really I was sad and I wasn't um, expressing my emotions probably the best. 
Um, and so my coach was like, hey, you know, we can do it tomorrow morning. And I was, again, throwing a temper tantrum. And so we had talked about the idea of maybe we'll do it in the morning. Um, it wasn't going to happen that night. So essentially, we had pretty much just canceled it. Um, and so then I was really sad. And so me and a couple of my teammates went to the bathroom and I just I just needed to let out the emotion. So I'm like sobbing. Mm. Gather myself. We're good. It's totally fine. I have the world's best teammates in this moment. Coach T's doing so much for all of us. Such a good. Yeah. Anyway, teammates are awesome. And I come out of the bathroom and then all of a sudden the lights just turned on. And I start crying again. And I'm like, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And this guy, like, looks at me. And he's like, are you crying? I'm like, I have been through so much tonight, okay? I'm very excited for this. Random guy? Yeah, some <laughs> random guy. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm that excited about it. You're like, watch what's about to happen, <laughs> so, okay? Just watch. So um, anyway, then Coach Taylor and the other coaches, she had been like, okay, we're going to run it this time, whatever. And it being like midnight. and But the race went on. And it was great, and it was super fun. Okay, and... understatement. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Tell me what you did. Um, I ran 931 for my opener, which um, was, I think, the fifth fastest time in the NCAA. History. Yeah. History. New school record? Yes. That's incredible. It was so, it was so fun. And we had Sarah Musselman, who was just so close to breaking that 10-minute barrier, who she did this season, which was awesome. And I got to run with, you know, four other teammates. We had Lexi and Simone and Mary and Maddie in this race, too. And it was just so fun to just, you know, you finish that race and you get to turn around and you see all of your teammates just giving everything you have. And it's fun when you're in an individual event like that where I know how much I love it. I know how much I give to it, and I see what they, how much they love it and how much they give to it. And so just seeing them just put it all on the line and a lot of, you know, almost everyone had a really great race. And it was the last race of the night, and so by the water jump, all of our teammates were at the water jump just cheering, and that was – it was just so fun. That That's how I would describe that night is it was, it was rocky getting there, but so fun. What did that mean to you to race – not only compete and do well, you did extremely well, given the emotions you had just gone through. You had played soccer growing up, the oxygen, the injuries, and now you just ran at a place where, especially distance, there have been unbelievable runners here. Multiple national championships for cross country, track and field, da, da, a bunch of them. Yeah. You just ran the fastest steeple chase in, in Cougar history and faster than only four other people ever what was that like um it was cool it was funny because at first I didn't I didn't really know what that time meant um coach Taylor so funny I finished the race and obviously she was super proud of me and I was just I was so grateful to be running that race so grateful that was the first thing as I was like I am grateful to have had the opportunity because I know what it's like to not have it mm-hmm so just super grateful, and um, Coach Taylor was funny. She was like, I knew you'd run that time. And I'm like, you're just a wizard. She's a wizard. She <laughs> knows did? She knows all things. She's you knew incredible. I'd run the fifth fastest? Yeah, That's she's amazing. incredible. And I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really know what I had done. I just know that I was just grateful in that moment. And so 
as cool as those things are and as proud I am proud of you know running those times and doing those things but I'm more so grateful to have the opportunity that to me that is more than most accolades that is having just the opportunity is it's something I haven't always had and so I'm just grateful for that you just wanted a chance Mm -hmm. that's all I wanted I just wanted a chance so you get the chance um and then you end up you know qualifying for the U.S. Olympic trials Mm -hmm. in June you wear the BYU jersey in the trials which is kind of fun I like I I kind of at first I was like oh that's cool because they could give you a jersey and a number for just USA Trials, but you're repping BYU there mm-hmm. with other teammates too, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. So tell people about that experience, Hayward Field, trying to make it to Tokyo and that whole thing. Yeah, so um, leading up to that race, I hadn't done well at Outdoor Nationals as I had wanted. Um, what did you place again? I placed fourth. And you had set? This time, and, like, you were thinking, like, oh, I could win the Natty, right? Yeah. You'd already won the 3K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, unfortunately made a technical error, and I didn't um, do the exact race plan that Coach Taylor, and so I knew what I did wrong, and I... What was the technical error? Um, I didn't... The first one was I didn't go at the right time, like, start my kick at the right time, and then the second one was my last water jump. I stumbled really bad, and they got a gap on me. Mm. And so there was those two big things. But, you know, I'm still grateful. That was my first time at Outdoor Nationals. And so I was very – I was, again, just grateful. I know what I can work on and what I can be better, but it's all about getting experience and the opportunity. And so um, something that I learned from that race is that um, – it's not everyone's day who you think it should be on that day. And so that was kind of my mentality of going into Olympic trials is why not me? And Coach Taylor and I had talked about in the year previous um, when the pandemic had hit, we had talked about, let's try to make a team. Let's try to make the Olympic team. And so she had been feeling this passion and this goal and this desire to try to make an Olympic team. And so... That was kind of just, I was like, you know what? Who I don't need any expectations. I can just go out there and do my best and give my best, and that's good enough for me. And we'll see where that lands me. And so the experience was just so cool, you know, being surrounded by people that I have looked up to for a lot of my life and, you know, watch their experiences and um, just been wanting to be at that next level. And so the experience was just so cool being surrounded by them and feeling like you fit in and you belong there. You felt like that. Yeah, that's a very powerful feeling. Yeah, and I could see how you could feel the other way. Yeah, for sure. But I, at that point, I was like, why not me? Like, you yeah. know, why not? Why why not? And so that was kind of the experience. I was so nervous before prelims. I was like, what if I don't even make it to finals? I just don't know. What if I don't? <laughs> Cause you still have to do that. Yeah. You yeah. still, there are no finals. There's no trying to go for a top three if you don't make it out of prelims. And right. so I was really scared for that. And coach Taylor and I had a really cool, just really cool experience. She's just so um, in tune with what her athletes need. She is the most incredible coach, and that experience of being at Hayward Field and at Olympic Trials, that's one of the number one things. I, th- I think maybe the number one thing that I would take is I just realized, like, 
how incredible of coach that she is. I already, I always knew that, but she really is just in tune with what the athlete needs. And she just was right on par with everything that I needed for that buildup. And so the experience was cool. It felt like I capitalized on what I could for that time. You get to the final. <laughs> okay. So we get to the final and it was so bizarre. I was nervous, but I wasn't. Why aren't you nervous? Just because there's no expectations. There's other people that had run faster than me. And yeah. I was just going to go out there and see if I could just do it. How many college runners are there in there? Um, I think there was four. Okay. So how big is it? Eight in the final? Mm, I think or it's like it 13 or 14. Oh, 13 or 14. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. So yeah. you're one of the young guns yeah. trying to get a spot. Yeah. No expectations. Yeah. We're but for yourself, you're thinking, like you said, hey, why not? Yeah, if I'm top I, three here. I'm yeah. going to the Olympics. And before I stepped on that line, I believed wholeheartedly that I was going to make that team. I was like, Where did that come from? That came from Coach Taylor. Coach Taylor does not tell you something if she doesn't believe it. And she had told me a year in advance that I had a shot at making that team. This is a year. A year in, in advance. So like May of 2020. She had sent when the me. The pandemic is, was kind of full the swing. most isolated. Yes, full swing. That's quite a thing to say. Yes, you know she had just sent me a text with Olympic rings and said, "Let's try, let's do it." And I was like, "Okay, that's that's great." You know. What was your emoji response back? I think I put the money emoji with the tongue. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, great. Let's go. Yeah. Send it. Yes. So I just got up to the line thinking like, yeah, I definitely, I'm capable of this and I can do it. And yeah, that success from comes, comes from Coach Taylor or that confidence comes yeah. from Coach Taylor. Um, she's so cool if I haven't mentioned that enough. But um, yeah, and then. I had a really cool experience in the middle of the race um, with about three laps to go. Um, the top three had um, separated themselves from the pack. And um, with 1,000 meters to go, so two and a half laps left, I had this really just overwhelming feeling. Don't count yourself out. And I was like... What place are you in right now? I think I'm in sixth. Okay. Yes, there's those three, and there's four, five, and six. We're together. There's a group of three of us. And so I was like, okay, you don't know what can happen. And I had just been thinking about myself at NCAAs where I wouldn't have envisioned my finishing like that, but, like, you don't know what can happen. And so I just went in with that, and then with two laps to go, um, the girl that was currently in third had um, just barely barely clipped the barrier and it was so sad um, she fell down and all of a sudden there was four of us fighting for one spot the last spot. the last spot and so I spent the next lap just fighting for that next spot and going in with one lap to go 400 meters and knowing that I had been fighting for a spot to go to Tokyo was just so cool and um, two had separated themselves from me. And I just kept thinking, you don't know what can happen. You don't know. And so I just did that. And I ended up fourth. And I was like, I was ecstatic. Obviously, I wanted to make the team. But that is, I felt so proud that my first showing, I could, you know, place as well as I did. And so, again, I was grateful for the opportunity. And 
it, it was really cool. You have such a good attitude about that. Because obviously if you're fourth, you're the first out, you're like, oh, I was right there. Right? So uh, how many seconds difference was there? I think it was like third? four or five. Okay. 4.8 seconds or something. Do you think about those 4.8 seconds? Mm, no. You seem super positive about stuff. You could, you could, if you wanted, have those 4.8 seconds define you or eat at you. How do yeah. you choose not to do that? Um, I feel like something that I've learned in my journey is that you can decide with what you want it to be next. Um, those 4.8 seconds or five seconds, whatever it was, um, I'm grateful for those. It gives me something more to chase. Paris 2024. Yeah, you just, it, it makes me look ahead. Mm. Um, I didn't accomplish any of my goals that I had set for outdoor season, but I was like, great, I have another year. I have another swing at it, and um, I'm young. When I competed at trials, I only recently turned 23, so I was only 22, and those women are 26, 29, 30. And so it just made me excited for the future, and... Um, I think, but I think there's no time like the present though. And those five seconds, I am ecstatic for those three that made it. That That's incredible. It's a huge thing. Um, and so you can use it as motivation or you can use it as your defining moment. And that's great that I did that, but that's, that doesn't define who I am or who I am as a runner. I'm still me. And it's one thing that I've done and I'll just work hard and put my head down and try to do the best that I can um, for the coming years. And oh, by the way, that uh, smashes the school record again by a couple seconds and third all time in college, all dates, all collegians. So that was pretty good. Yeah, it was You got good. a smile on your face. It's yeah, kind of like, it was yeah, good. that was pretty good. It was fun. So you have another year of indoor and outdoor track, but no cross country. Yep. Yeah, I exhausted my eligibility in cross-country in 2019 when our team got second. Mm-hmm. Which was awesome as well. That was so cool. That yeah. was amazing. And then, uh, of course, 2020 in 2021. Yeah. You guys win it. Yeah. It was pretty special. It was awesome. You guys won it. Okay, let's uh, let's finish with Diljeet. You've talked about the influence uh, of, of what she's done on the program. For those who don't know, Diljeet Taylor, not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Her husband is. She's got a couple kids. She is of... Uh, Indian heritage, grew up chic. She was the associate head coach of women's cross country and track, I, I think, right? Yeah. And then she became the head coach a couple months ago. This was significant because the the perception of policy was active, card-carrying members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are the head coaches and no one else can be. That's not true. I say card carrying, you know what I mean? Temple record. Yeah. That's not true. And that was part of the release with her. And I was happy that that was the case because I think that's the best policy moving forward. There are amazing people who get what BYU is but may not be exactly what everyone else is. This place needs more Dilji Taylors. We have a lot of amazing people here. We need more ideas, more backgrounds, more religions, more cultures, more languages more races, you know what I mean, to to have us become more whole. Dilji represents everything about that to me. So I'm so excited that she's the head coach. And it, I mean, 
she has been like the head coach for years, right? Yeah. And Ed's done an amazing job with this program. He'll continue with the men and kind of overseeing that. But tell me, tell me what Diljeet brings, in your opinion, being on the inside, in addition to what you've mentioned. And, and like, how she shaped this. And, like, I've found out, not from Diljeet, but from other people, she has turned down jobs at Stanford, Oregon, Texas. If I think Texas even told her, hey, no one turns us down. Like, what? To stay at BYU because she believed you guys could win a national championship. That's unbelievable. Yeah. She's an unbelievable coach and person. Yeah. Um, something that's incredible about Coach Taylor is that um, she is so wise and so caring of others. Um, I'm sure you've experienced it. She's very thoughtful. She brings Spencer and I in uh, an acai bowl. Every time she comes to BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. So it's been really hard that she hasn't been in the studio. <laughs> but she sends them to us now. Yeah. And that's like the nicest thing. Honestly, my favorite coach at BYU because of that. <laughs> and <laughs> I other love reasons. It. I love it. She's, yes, very thoughtful. Yeah. And she um, she has such a special relationship with people here at BYU. Um, in my own personal experience, I have every year that I've been here, which – is a lot of years. Um, this is year six. Um, she has filled a different role for me. Um, she's so good at knowing what an 18-year-old, I'll just use myself for example, she's so good at knowing what 18-year-old Courtney needed and she's so good at knowing what 23-year-old Courtney needs um, and it's always changing. She's always finding ways to elevate herself, us, and other programs. I watch just how genuine she is for all programs at BYU and how excited she is for their success. Um, she's so good at teaching gratefulness and how to be genuine and confident and how to elevate people with you. I think that's something that is special about our team compared to other places in the country. Um, she has such a way with helping us grow as people and it's funny because she'll say like oh court you've grown so much and I have grown so much here at BYU but it wouldn't be without her guidance and direction she I owe her a lot in my life um and the best thing about her is if I told her like oh I'm I'll never be able to repay you for all the, the good that you've done in my life um just take running out of it she has done so much good for just my own personal life the best part is she wants you to show gratefulness towards her because that's what you should do, but also she wants you to help lift others and be grateful for others. She's so good at um, sometimes in team meetings telling us like, hey, you need to text your parents or think about someone this week that you can text and be thankful for for them. And she's so good at showing you how to care. Um, she's incredible and she has changed BYU for the better. Mm-hmm. And it's something that um, can be changed only from the inside um, here at BYU. And there's, there's not many people in the world out like her, but we're lucky enough at BYU to have her here and to, you know, all have the relationship and interactions that we get. So I feel the same way, and I don't even know her as well as you do, but uh, on Sunday at her fireside at Girl Dad Camp, she shared a story that really struck me. And it really touches me because, honestly, we need more Diljit Taylors. I'm talking people from other uh, backgrounds, 
to influence us and make us better. Us, I mean the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The traditional student is white, from Utah, member of the church. There's a place for, for obviously, those people and a lot of other people. I love when we can integrate people from all over. Diljit represents a lot of that for me. She shared the story. When she was in elementary school, she was pretty young. I can't remember exactly what age. Her teacher said, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. And she thought, no, I probably can't because of my background. My husband's going to be picked for me. She kind of explained culturally in her family what that was going to be like growing up Indian in the States. So she went up to her uh, teacher a few weeks later and said, do you really believe a girl like me can be anything I want? And the teacher said, especially a girl like you. So that always really struck me. And now she's enabling amazing women like yourself to be not just great athletes, which, you know, we focus on that so much, but the people that you guys are becoming and what you've gone through and what you're going to share with people throughout your life. It's just super meaningful. Like it's, it's, and this can happen at a lot of places, but BYU is pretty unique and it has unique people and unique teams. And it's fun when you win and you're amazing people. Yeah. Hopefully you win because <laughs> yeah. you're amazing people yeah. and you win. And the culture's great, and you guys are great, and it's so fun to celebrate with you guys, track and cross country, and and women being powerful and amazing, and it, it inspires me, frankly, to yeah. help my daughter. So thank you for what you're doing, Diljit's doing. It's awesome for Cougar Nation. Yeah, we're, I'm grateful to be on this team and be a part of BYU and to represent BYU um, as I enter my last year. Um, I'm even more grateful for it. Time goes by quick and um, for very sentimental right now. But um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful for everything here at BYU. Repping the Y is more than just that. And um, I've learned that running is awesome and it's great. And I'm very competitive and I want to do the best that I can. But um, without being here at BYU and having Coach Taylor, I would not be the person that I am. Um, and hopefully the person I want to become. And um, there's no place like it. And um, BYU is so great. And repping the Y is more than just me out on the track or me and my teams out on a course or anything like that. It's more than that. And um, I'm grateful that I was steered in this direction because this place is life-changing if you allow it to be. So it's, it's awesome. Courtney, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for really having me. Really fun to talk to you. Can't wait for uh, you know the the indoor and outdoor track season. We'll be watching closely. And yeah. uh, hey, Hayward Field. I know. Let's and go. until then, we'll cheer on our cross country team. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Let's go, ladies. Okay, Courtney, thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. For Courtney Wayman and producer Tanner Graff. I'm Jerem Jordan. You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.